0: And what you're going to talk about today is so important, so scary, but SBT community, you really need to listen to this one. So how the human element of cybersecurity could be affecting your business and how to protect yourself. Such a juicy topic. You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Cathy Smith. Small Business Talk is a podcast
1: for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals.
0: Welcome to Small Business Talk. Today, my special guest is Katrina Ford from Kate IT. Welcome, Katrina. Thanks for having me, Kathy. So good to be back. And you're a repeat guest, so we do love our repeat guests. And what you're going to talk about today is so important, so scary, but SBT community, you really need to listen to this one. So how the human element of cybersecurity could be affecting your business and how to protect yourself. Such a juicy topic.
1: Thanks, Cathy. I'm super excited. And it's something that I'm extremely, extremely passionate about. Um, Some of the statistics out there right now are showing that the human element of cybersecurity is the biggest element. Um, There was recently a a summit in Perth, Cyberwest Summit, and the summit was for non-IT professionals. And nearly every single speaker spoke about the human element. We had one very talented um, speaker from the US speak about that, you know, statistics around that 90% of cyber incidents come from human error. But she, she challenged that. She said, if we were to look back at every single cyber incident, there's been a human element in every single incident that we look at. So therefore it becomes imperative that we start to look at the human element and how do we resolve this issue. And um, businesses have, for the last 10, 15 years have been heavily investing in their technology you know to improve their business. You know you set up a business and what's the first thing you think about is how to get an email account and a website and all these things that we need to keep our you know get the business off the ground. Um, and then the security side of it is normally an afterthought. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And we see all that, that all the time with passwords and people sending passwords through emails and that the whole bank details, credit cards, the whole lot going through emails. And then unfortunately, that is one of the ways they can get in, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and do you know what? I had a really, I suppose, timely reminder recently. Um, I suppose because I've been in IT for such a long time, I take for granted the skill set that I have and how technology is pretty easy for me, to be honest. (laughs) Um, But I had a lady recently um, ask me to help her set up a password manager. Now, it's not something that I would normally do, but I've known this lady for quite a long time um she has a small business down in the southwest region and she was up in perth and i said sure let's have a coffee let's sit down together and let's um let's sort this out for you and she was so technically challenged <laughs> And we had to laugh about it, about you know, you know, she did, couldn't remember passwords to get into certain pages and we had to reset passwords. And it was a timely reminder that we you know, don't all have those skill sets and that technology can be very, very challenging. You know, and when, when in when you're in a busy, you know, place of work or you know you're going through f- end of financial year and things like that and you have a lot of pressures or coming up to the end of the projects and technology doesn't work for you well you're going to do whatever it takes to make it work whether it's unsafe or not and I think that's the problem that we are seeing and we're facing especially for small business owners It's been a challenging economical time for many small business owners. So they may not be able to afford to pay for an IT professional to help them with these situations. So they'll go on to Dr. Google and they'll try and find a solution. And it might not be the most secure solution. So that's, I suppose, the challenge the small business owners also face. And then as you grow a team, you bring in team members in to help you grow that business and do tasks within your business. And again, they could be doing risky behaviours or risky tasks and unannounced to yourself. Um, And I've seen that in some of the small businesses that I've worked with over the last few years. It's sometimes the business owner might think this is what's happening in the business. But then when you open the hood and you start to look under... Maybe the business owner was away on holidays and uh, the staff needed a workaround. So they found a workaround because they didn't want to trouble their boss while they're on holidays and things like that. And this is what leads to businesses getting hacked, unfortunately, is these things that happen every day on small businesses just
0: to get the job done. Absolutely. And people, like you say, they get busy or you think, I'll fix that later. Or sometimes they just don't even realize that what they're doing is risky or is something that shouldn't be done, or somebody else has just asked them. I just need your credit card details. Oh, just work it in an email, and off it goes. Yeah. Oh, dear.
1: Yeah. And it's also, you know, um, I've seen this in some places as well. I talk about this a lot in my training, is that if you, you know, I can say I probably was one of these types of bosses when I used to manage teams, I am um, when I was stressed, I probably wasn't the easiest person to come and ask a question to or to, you know, report something to. So, if you're somebody that is a highly stressed person, you know, and maybe your team member has made a mistake, well, they might not want to come to you in times of stress in case you, you, you know, you snap at them or you're, you're a bit agitated. And that's human nature, you know, it's, it's how we are, especially when we're working towards deadlines. We all have stress. And um, that's what I've seen is that if we don't create uh, an environment where they feel safe to speak up or safe to report I've made a mistake, um, then that mistake can be brushed under the carpet and that mistake can then be the reason why a business can get hacked. And um, I see that quite a lot. It's one of the first things that I do is, you know, how do we report when we make a mistake? And, you know, I always ask the question, how comfortable are you reporting a mistake to your boss or to your direct lead or whatever? And it's quite um, alarming that people are like, God, no, I'm not going to report that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to get into trouble. Um, But that's that's the challenge. And it's one of the advantages that the hackers have against us is that they know um, individuals, sometimes don't want to speak up when they make a mistake. It's part of human nature. We don't want to be in the wrong. We don't want to make mistakes. You know, we always want to be right and we always want to be doing things right. We always want to be, you know, impressing our boss or impressing whoever we work for. And hackers know that we will then maybe sometimes try and hide our mistakes, which then gives them the leverage to do the nasty things that they do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It might give them the... The keys to open the gate, or it might give them the the blackmailing power that yeah. they can then start leveraging that off that individual to yeah. then create bigger problems.
1: And it's it's, it's it's with simulated phishing or phishing campaigns in particular. You know, if somebody has clicked on a link on an email and it's downloaded malicious software, and then they don't want to report that, you know, they've they maybe have done made a mistake. And um, they don't report it. Then overnight or over the weekend, that malicious software could spread through a business computer's, and we've seen that I've seen that many many times. You know where the, somebody's clicked on a link on an email on a Friday afternoon. They whether they knew it was suspicious or not. But then over the weekend, computers have been left on and then that malicious software has spread through the, the business and it's then resulted in like a ransomware attack or something like that. And that's that's the, the 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 thing that we know is that it's, you know, we need to act when we make these mistakes and when we click on these links to stop them in their tracks. And um, But unfortunately, the nature of the way we work Sometimes we don't want to speak up or sometimes we don't even know that we've clicked on that link. Mm -hmm. Um, Recently, I was working with an organization and we were running what you call simulated phishing campaigns. So we sent out a phishing test to see who would click. And um, over 100 people had clicked within the first 10 seconds of receiving the email. So to me, that's we're not even being aware of What's in the email? We're not reading the email. We're just click, click, and you know, if you're like myself, I get a lot of emails. Sometimes you just are you're trying to get through them as quick as you can, yeah. Looking at the details. So again, that's the human risk that we have, that human element. Um, is if we're working in a fast-paced environment that needs us to be on the ball and being fast-paced, we can't slow down to look at the detail in emails,
0: and therefore you could easily click a link or open an attachment. Absolutely. I was at dinner over the weekend and an elderly relative showed me her phone and said, do you think this is real? And it was paypal.com.au. Now, oh. for our global audience, obviously, PayPal is not restricted to Australia, so it doesn't have a .au at the end. Everything else looked perfect. Yeah. It had right logos on it, the way it was written, everything else looked perfect yeah. except for the .au, and that yeah. was probably the biggest thing that alerted the fact that it was incorrect
1: yeah and i think that's it's i call it a, a sort of a life skill that we all need to learn is how do we identify these suspicious activities or these malicious emails? And it can become quite a skill um, because they're they're getting better and better. You know, they can spoof our fake domains. They can do all various things. We talk about the rise of uh, AI. And, you know, all the benefits and, you know, I'm a huge fan of AI. It's been around for a while, but I suppose with the the new generator, AI AI, um, is really everybody's talking about it right now. And it's fantastic. But it's given the hackers the ability to draft even better phishing emails. And so from a security perspective, it's given them a, a lift up, especially if they're from a country where English is not their first language. We're now seeing that they can easily draft a very convincing email in Aussie slang that we will um, resonate with and make us click. There'll be no spelling mistakes. They'll not be spelling organization with a Z, they'll spell it with an S, you know, and AI can do all this for them now.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's a, a clear thing, isn't it, that we see when um, things are Particularly here in Australia, where we do spell things different, we add use into things like color and flavor. We use s's instead of z's, so it is something that you see a lot in emails. And you go, eh, not that one. But yeah. like you say now, and with the generative, they can actually get two or three emails that have been sent out and start doing it in your voice.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's I've seen it, some examples that's come recently of um phishing emails. And even me as a professional has been do- does this every day. Very, very hard to pick out what we call the red flags in those emails. Um, and it is going to become harder and harder. You know, we are talking about a lot about deep fakes now and even um voice and um, imitation and things like that. Um, I don't know if you've seen the one recently on Sunrise where they faked Kashi's voice voice on Sunrise through AI. And, um, you know, it sounded very, very like him. So this is the challenge um, that we're going to face uh, across the, the world. There was a few examples of um, parents receiving fake AI voice-generated phone calls, pretending that their kids have been kidnapped um, and things like that. There was one in the U.S. Um, I seen a mother put up a, a warning a few weeks ago about it. And um, that's, I suppose, the, the dark side of AI is, you know, how they're going to use and manipulate these technologies to, to get into our lives and get into our businesses. Um, and as a business owner, it's something that we need to start thinking about now. Uh, it's yep. here. <laughs> and, you know, We need to be talking to our staff and our people um about these types of scams and tactics and what does suspicious look like and how do you identify suspicious, you know. And I think one of the things I talk about quite a lot is that cybersecurity is built on what we call three main pillars: technology, people, and process. And most businesses only look at the technology side, as I said earlier. We don't look at the process side, we don't look at the people side. You know, and if we looked at all three, it would make a more robust um, business and future proof the business as well. Um, I worked with a small business here in Perth um, a few months ago. and was devastating. The, it was a, a, a family owned business and the wife was looking after the admin and the finance and things like that. And she'd received an invoice from one of her suppliers who, who they'd been working with for a long, long time. Invoice came from his email address, looked pretty legit, and it was an invoice for some work that was to happen. Um, and she recognized that the bank account details had been changed. But in the email, it had said, sorry for the delay in getting your invoice. My friend has just committed suicide. So things are all over the place. So she said she didn't want to phone up and you know ask why has the bank account details changed because his friend had committed suicide um and it wasn't the hackers had got into her mailbox had stopped the invoice had changed the text changed the bank account details added in the bit about the friend committing suicide which was wasn't wasn't real and sent it on to her and she paid that invoice of fifty thousand dollars and it was gone Mm -hmm. and because there was such a strong relationship they hadn't followed up on the payment And it was like seven days before the the, they spoke about it. Why has the payment not been received? And and then that's and it was too late. The money had already been processed through the bank because they'd left it so long, you know, and that's where clear, yes, the technology failed because they shouldn't have been able to hack into her mailbox. And when we when we traced it back, her password had been compromised as a data breach. Um, and she'd been reusing the password. But again, um, you know, if she had had process in place about phoning up and verifying, you know, there's so many things in that situation that could have prevented it. Um, And that's, you know, it's happening everywhere. Like every week I'm hearing of another business paying fake invoices or transferring money and can't getting it back. And in this climate, $50,000 could be the make or break of your business at the moment. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. I heard of an instance where it was an accounting company and they um, were sending out invoices and paying invoices on behalf of their clients and somebody got in the middle and were changing them. And, yeah, the, the figures were even higher than that. So wow. it was, um, yeah, quite devastating for people. Yeah. So you mentioned before about suspicious emails in particular and spotting the the signs. So for the layman who's not in IT and doing it all the time like you are, what should we be looking for?
1: There's always some key indicators if the email is fake. So I always went in my training and said there's three questions that you should ask yourself when you open an email. First of all, can you verify that the sender is definitely who they say they are? Um, I do a a demonstration on how the human brain works. So the human brain actually, we only need to see the first and the last letter of every word and we can read that word. So stop and actually look at the email address, make sure there's no letters that's dropped. So like, you know, if it's coming from Microsoft that they haven't dropped a no or they haven't, you know, replaced an I with a one or something like that. So verifying that the email address is definitely who they say they are. If it's coming, you know, hover over the email address because that's what you can see what the real email address is, where it's coming from. So that's number one is always checking the email address and making sure that it's coming from them. Now, even if the email address looks legit, hackers, as we know, can hack into people's emails and send on behalf of them. So it might actually have come from them, but it's not them, as a hacker. Second thing is look at the language that they're using. Hackers always want you to act now. So there's always going to be a sense of urgency or there'll be a time limit on it. So if you don't respond now, your emails will be blocked. You have 24 hours or you will not be able to access your account. You have access to this document for 24 hours. These types of languages that makes you act now, they don't want you to file that email and say, you'll come back to it later. They want you to take action now. And the third thing is what is the email asking you to do? Hackers want you to normally click on a link on an email or open an attachment. Clicking on a link on an email will do one or two things. It can redirect you to a website to log in. So it might say it's coming from Office 365. I need you to reset your password. Click this link. You click the link and it redirects you to what looks like an Office 365 login page, but it can be fake. You put in your username and password and you've just given them your credentials. Or it will download malicious software onto your computer that allows them to have remote control or remote access to your computer to do their nasty work. Same with open and attachment. It can download malicious software onto your computer. So that's how you spot these ph- uh, phishing emails, as we say, or suspicious emails. There's normally some
0: type of action that they want you to take. Okay. So when it's in the case of an invoice, they'll give a reason why the account's changed or is it even if it's not an overdue one, they're, they're hassling you to pay it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes not. Sometimes they will just be, um, you know, to hope that it will fly under the radar, that you haven't a process in place about checking bank account details they may give you a reason why the bank account details has changed. Um, sometimes I've seen them. As I said, that that builder that I was helping with recently, there was no reason in it for the bank account details. It just changed it. Um, so, and the other things that they can do was. Is, fake emails or phishing emails is pretend to be somebody like your boss for instance so like say you're the admin or an executive assistant within an organization um, and I've seen them do this where they maybe set up a, a gmail account in the director or the ceo or you know the financial officer's name and then they'll send an email saying hey I can't get access to my work emails at the moment but I need this invoice paid can you transfer this amount into this bank account now and you know some people unfortunately fall for those types of ones as well so anything where it's asking you to transfer money or pay an invoice and you haven't verified it be super super
0: alert is another thing as well so get on the phone talk to the person.
1: Always, always. If and um, if you are, you know, setting up a, an agreement with a new business or you're starting to work with a new business and it's the first time paying that invoice, always call and verify the bank account details, always. And um, I know some bookkeepers that I've done work with, they have um, some type of five points of checking when, you know, bank account details are changing and things like that. So what's your process around adding new bank accounts accounts into your accounting software you know changing bank who has authority to change bank account details all these different things that you need to think about from a process perspective as well and and you often hear about you know the four eyes so you know if you're the person that's inputting the invoice for payment maybe you should be getting somebody else to check the payments as well to make sure that nothing there looks suspicious
0: perfect okay so we've talked about the the su- Suspicious ones, now I can't even say it. Suspicious (laughs) ones. Give me goosebumps just thinking about what they can be in there doing. What else do you think that businesses should be doing to protect their people and protect their businesses?
1: I am a huge advocate for training. I think we all need to be continuously learning and training. And it doesn't have to be sitting through hours long of content and e-learning and all this. It can be quick, it can be sharp, it can be very uh, fun and engaging, but it needs to be regular. Um, I see organizations, you know, try and do the right thing by offer their staff once a year training. We are busy and we don't retain that information, you know, and unless it's constant reminder. So even if it's a small team that you have, maybe it's, you know, an agenda item on your team meeting every month. You know, remember about phishing emails, remember about secure passwords, just general awareness um, for business owners is making staff understand why they could be targeted. And, you know, a big thing that I see a lot of organizations that I work with, and I work with a lot of larger ones um, these days, but it still applies to small businesses as well. We all are very busy. And when you're asking us to do something else, as well as our day-to-day job, a lot of people are like, I don't have time for it. I don't have time to do training. What if I do a thing called um, the WFM approach, so what's in it for me? So I teach about how to keep them safe at home and the same skills that they learn to teach how to keep themselves safe at home. It's the same as work and they will bring those skills into the workplace. So you do it as a sort of giving back I want to teach you cyber safe skills that's in your life. Um, then they will bring them into the workplace as well. And that works really, really well. People want to learn how to protect their social media accounts. They want to learn how to identify scams and what does a data breach mean and what does it mean if I've been part of a data breach. People are all interested in that. And thanks to the Optus and the Medibank and the Latitude, they've helped you know raise the awareness that these things are happening and they're impacting all Australians You know, one of the statistics out there at the moment with all the data breaches that we've seen in 2023 is that one, every one in two Australians, that their data has been part of these breaches now. And so every, you know, half of the population, our data is out there on the dark web. So we must all learn what does that mean for us if we have that data? How do we protect our identity? How do we protect people setting up finance in our names? You know, and as business owners, if we can assist train our our people in that, then they will bring that into the workplace as well.
0: Absolutely, and I dare say for our American audience that the um, statistics are, are just as bad. Or they do say that Australia is one of the the most hacked countries in the world. So, well, if- it
1: was one of the um, they talked about it at the summit recently. It was one of the the gold awards that we didn't want to have. No. <laughs> we were the most attacked uh, nation in the last quarter. Um, so it wasn't really a nice place to be from a cybersecurity perspective.
0: but No, yeah. but it's definitely happening all over the world and it's particularly happening in America as well. So for our American audience, please do be careful. So if we do think we might have been involved in one of these data breaches, either personally or as a business, have you got some tips around that as well?
1: Yeah, look, and I think, you know, as general, as of real thumb, passwords is going to be a big one, you know, Um, first of all, these data breaches depend on what information they have about you. And, um, you know, they may have access to your accounts now. So passwords is something that we should change on a regular basis. And we should have multi-factor authentication. So a second method of authenticating that you are who you say you are, dig into your accounts um, on all our important accounts, whatever it is that we have. But in Australia, there is a really good um, service, and I know there's ones in the US as well. Um, it's called the one in Australia is called ID Care, and they offer really good advice on if you've been part of these breaches, what to do. But things like um, if you've been part of them and they have some of your financial information, maybe you start start setting up credit monitoring to make sure that they're not trying to apply for credit in your name but be aware that they have quite a lot of information about you now and they will try and scam you. That's what this information they're going to do. They'll go to the dark web. They'll have a look to see what information is out there about you and how can they use that to scam you, to fool you into maybe paying for fake invoices, all these different tactics that they will use. So There's basic things that if you know that you've been part of some of these breaches, like changing your driving license number, getting a new passport, those types of things, unfortunately we can't change your date of birth, so it's going to be out there. (laughs) We could wind back the clock a few years, but we can't do that. (laughs) Oh, why not? If you could do that, you'd be making an absolute million. I know, I know. But all those different types of personal information is going to be out there. So it's about how to protect your your what's important to you as an individual. As a business, it's no different. You know, if you've been part of these data breaches, they're going to gather this information to target your employees. Um, rather, they try and target them to get into your systems or try and target them to fall for scams. And that's what it's all about, is trying to use the information against you in some way, shape or form. So... Unfortunately, it's the era that we live in, um, but just be mindful of these types of scams and be more aware. For me, I know I was part of the Latitude um, data breach. Um, I purchased a sofa many years ago and got the 36 months interest credit free from Harvey Normans, like a lot of us did. And now um they have my passport number and they have my driving license number. Um, I've changed the driving license, have a new passport since. And I just I'm more aware of scams. I on a regular basis get targeted. Um I shared with somebody this morning that um on Sunday I was uh, my phone started alerting that you know I had something happening on my LinkedIn account and I had one lady liking all my posts. So um she had gone through every single post till probably I ever started on LinkedIn and the phone kept beeping and beeping. And I was like, have I got a secret admirer or what is going on? Started to do my research and looked into it and it was very clear that it was a fake profile. And most likely she was trying to like my posts so that people thought that I knew her and then they might fall for scams, you know, so just be more aware of the type of tactics that they
0: might use now because your information is out there. Absolutely. And things like knowing whether you have children or elderly yeah. relatives and sending you text messages and saying, I'm at the supermarket and my credit card's being blocked. I need some money to, to pay the groceries and that sort yeah. of thing, pulling on those heartstrings. And like you say, it's urgent. It's got to be done right now.
1: Yeah, in Australia as well. Um, you know, the resource actually does work for the US as well. We've got a place called Scamwatch and it's a really good government initiative. You can go and see the types of scams that's happening out there at the moment. That one that you talked about—that's the high mum scam—and um, they're now they're now actually doing high dad ones as well. Um, but if you look at Scam Watch, they're constantly showing the newest and latest scams that are happening. There's a massive rise, not just in Australia but across the world, of sextortion scams. And these are there was a case in Perth here just actually at the start of the month, um, and the same the same situation is happening across the world um, everywhere. Um, so what they do is they they befriend you on a social media platform. This particular incident was a Snapchat, and they pretend to be of the opposite sex or the same sex and try to establish a romantic relationship with you, and um, build some trust over a period of time and then ask for nude photographs. This individual that this scam happened to, and it's happening to many across the world at the moment, sent the nudes and then they say, look, we aren't who you thought we are. We are hackers. We want to hold you to ransom. You need to pay X amount of money or I'll send your photos to your friends. And if you don't actually pay the money, they do send the photos to your friends, unfortunately. Uh This particular incident it was on the ABC news here in Perth um he was a backpacker that had just arrived in Perth and um he was trying to make new friends and he was a bit lonely started chatting to a female you know thought it was a female thought it was getting romantic sent the pics and then they asked for six hundred dollars he didn't have the six hundred dollars to give to them so they sent the pics and he said he had to go on then explain to all his friends and family why they were receiving these nudes um so you know it's it's happened across the world there's a case of it back in ireland with a young kid who was 16 and he ended up committing suicide and because they sent the photographs to his school friends which as you can imagine is devastating yeah but the sextortion scam it's big 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 at the moment so anybody listening if you have family friends partners anybody just tell them about this scam and you know think about what you're sending people because
0: once it's out there, it's out there. That's it. They say that you can delete it and things like Snapchat, they say it'll only last 30 seconds, but yeah. it's not deleted permanently because there is the the residue and those people that know how to get it can. Yeah. And it depends where it's been shared before yeah. it's deleted as well. So yeah. don't think that Snapchat is safe. Um, none of the, the social media platforms. And the other thing is that When you get on those social media platforms, you actually sign your copyright over to the social media platforms. So not only are the pictures out there, but you no longer have copyright over them. So please, guys, do not send any of that kind of stuff over any social media.
1: Yeah, social media on a whole. I actually delivered a training session on it this morning for one of our local councils. It's, um, it's just a haven for cyber criminals, and um, they're constantly on there scraping these social media platforms for information to use against us. You know, and business owners in particular need to be very cautious about what they're sharing on their social media. Um, I, I share about a case that I worked on. I think it was last year about a small business owner um, had invited his um executive assistant to a networking event, and she had never been networking before and was super excited, as we all are when we get out networking. Um, and she took loads of pictures, done a wonderful LinkedIn post about this event, and um, two days later she received an email from what looked like was the event organizers asking for some feedback on the event, which is quite normal. I'm getting a lot on that at the moment because I've been in a lot of networking. Um, but she clicked the link, filled out the survey, but it wasn't. It was malicious, and it downloaded ransomware onto her computer, and then it spreads the rest of the 20 computers in the office, mm-hmm. uh, all from attending a networking event and sharing it on LinkedIn. So just be cautious about you know the type of stuff. I've heard one of an IT company sharing uh, a good news story about one of their customers um, who had won an award, and then um, the customer got a phone call from a hacker pretending to be from the IT company and they fell for it. Um, so, you know, just be mindful and cautious. They're out there watching our social media. I love social media. I love connection. You know, I'm my family's back in Ireland. I'm living in Australia. You know, social media is how I stay in touch with everybody. You know, and I, I love it. But we just need to be cautious with how we use it,
0: especially um, for businesses as well. Absolutely. Now, this is a great topic and we could definitely talk forever. But is there any last tip that you would like to tell the SPT community in closing? Just,
1: you know, make yourself aware of what's happening out there. There's loads of fantastic resources, no matter what country that you live in. Governments are now putting out loads of resources. If you're here in Australia, the government, the ACSC, if you go to cyber.gov.au, you'll find any amount of resources to keep yourself up to date with what's happening. You know, it's there's lots of scams happening and there's lots of different things. But just create that awareness as part of our lives now we need to embrace it. Don't fear it. And um, you know, it's I often say you don't send your kid out to the shops without teaching them about stranger danger. and it's the same thing we use in internet and technology. We need to learn how to use it safely and not be afraid of it.
0: Absolutely. and I, I love that as a um, a final piece. Now if people and um, particularly enterprise level people in Australia are looking to be more protected, Or if they just want to get on your podcast or hear more about um, what you're doing, how do they find you, Kate?
1: Yeah, so I'm very active on LinkedIn, Katrina Ford on LinkedIn. You'll know if you've seen me because I've got red hair and red glasses, um, so I'm hard to miss. Um, Also, I have a podcast. I co-host a podcast called West Coast Cyber. So we're on all good podcasting platforms. and We release an episode once a month and we normally talk about what's happening in the industry at the moment and things to be aware of. Um, I'm on Instagram, I'm Kate underscore Cyber Safe. so I share a lot of tips and tricks um, about basic cybersecurity and cybersecurity for small businesses, but Richard, um, you know, I always love to help, and if I can't help, I will always point you in the right direction. Cybersecurity is something that is for everybody, you know, we all need to work on this together. It is not an IT, it's not a cyber teams problem, it's something that we all need to learn to uplift our skills to keep the whole world safe, not
0: just... our businesses and ourselves. Absolutely. And I know you've done F5 questions before because you're a, a um a serial podcaster in the um best ways, but I might just ask you two quick ones. Go ahead. What, what is your one non-negotiable? What do you have to do every day?
1: Definitely walk. I have to walk and listen to a podcast.
0: Yeah, it's my non-negotiable. Fantastic. And what is your favourite business book and why?
1: Ooh, well, it, it changes all the time, I have to say. But there was one uh, that I listened to. It's called um, Chill and Prosper by Denise Duffield-Thomas. Yep. Um, uh, an Australian lady as well. And um, I was just completely amazed with just, you know, her outlook and how to, you know, manifest and be chill and you know stop the stressing and the worrying. And uh, so yeah, that's the one that's my
0: hot favorite at the moment. Absolutely. I've been a, a fan of Denise DT for a very long time. So yeah. I have all of her books. And <laughs> um a long time ago I went to the Gold Coast and met her in person. So that was oh, I'd definitely. love
1: to meet her. I'd love to meet her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She's definitely a dynamo and she's come a long way since then as well. So so thank you so much, Katrina. Really appreciate your time, your wisdom and sharing it with the SPT audience. Thanks for having me, Kathy. and keep uh, doing these episodes and let's get to 500. And maybe you can come and be our, our 300th um, episode <laughs> guest. Let's see where it goes. So SPT community, remember, enjoy your journey. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast. And head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode. Take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action and SPT community, enjoy your journey.